predictions. Uh, this is one of my one of my favorite things to teach on, just because of uh, you know all the all the things that I've been set free from in my life, and uh, just love to to pass on pass on revelation that that works for people, you know, and that it can. Uh, it's not just Bible. Not just Bible knowledge, not just scripture memorization, but it's something that actually produces results in somebody's life. So, uh, love to be able to to pass that on. Uh, you know, we live in a day and time when there's a whole lot of a uh, whole lot of addictions. You know, that, that people deal with a whole lot of uh, uh, challenges, and um, there is freedom in Jesus. You know, Jesus always wants to bring us into a state of freedom. He doesn't doesn't want us to be in bondage he wants us to be free so uh love sharing this praise god I got my dog out here with me tonight i hope he's a good boy <laughs> we'll see how it goes god love him hello Teresa. good to see you amen praise god i mean if you guys have your bibles we're going to be in the book of james and we're also going to be in ephesians as well if you guys want to Pull out your scripture, pull out your swords, and follow along with me. You're welcome to. Of course, never, no obligation, as always. I hate obligating people to anything or presenting a sense of obligation. Obligation just sucks desire right out of people's hearts. Uh, hey, Rachel, good to see you, girl. Amen. God bless you. All right, well, it's 7 o'clock, and uh, we're going to get started and uh, going to get rolling with this, and I just want to just take a moment and, and open up in prayer. Um, Father, I just I thank you for all the people that are watching now or, and will watch in the future. And I just lift them up unto you. And Lord, I just lift myself up unto you. And I just ask that you'd flood my heart uh, with love, Lord. Help me to care about these people deeply, Lord, the way that you care about them. And I thank you that as the, the teaching and the revelation and light is presented, Lord, it's presented out of a place of love and care and even affection. Uh, for these for these people and uh, Lord I just thank you that that you bring forth deliverance that you bring forth freedom and uh, Lord I just you know whatever people are struggling with whatever they're dealing with Lord I just I thank you that the chains are broken off of people's lives and uh, that freedom is given to them Jesus we thank you that you you are the author and finisher of our faith and where you are freedom is and we thank you for that I just declare freedom over people's lives in Jesus name amen all right cool um, I, uh, and so, you know, once again, this is something that I love to teach on, uh, just because, you know, it, it, it's something that I personally experienced a great deal of deliverance in. And, um, I was, uh, I was addicted to drugs. I was, a, I was an alcoholic. Um, I, I, I had, uh, sexual addictions, um, addicted to pornography, um, just, you know, addicted to just, you know, womanizing and addicted to lying and, um, was just addicted to, to so many things. And, um, you know, the Bible says that sin is, is pleasurable for a season. And, um, it, you know, there, there is an element of, of pleasure, you know, initially with sin, you know, and I think it's important to, to say that because, um, uh, if, if there wasn't an element of attractiveness to it, then no one would have ever, wouldn't, would ever pursue it or get trapped in it. But it says it's pleasurable for a season. You know, I can remember, in my teenage years when, you know, I, you know, uh, sought after sex, drugs and rock and roll and, you know, the partying lifestyle initially as my innocence was evaporating, as I pursued those things, it was initially fun. 
and uh, it, it presented a form of freedom. And it seemed like freedom because we were breaking the rules and, you know, we were doing what we wanted to do and uh, just pleasing ourselves and seeking after, you know, what we thought was happiness and what we thought uh, was fulfillment. But, you know, as, as things get moving on, you know, sin never stays fun. Uh, it, it eventually becomes bondage. It eventually uh, sucks the life right out of you. You know, and I can remember when I was 19 years old and, and I was a full-blown drug addict at this point and uh, was still an atheist. And um, I can remember, you know, because I think initially the party scene, you know, it is a, there is an element of socialization to it. You know, we just wanted to be around other people and wanted to laugh and wanted to have fun. And, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that in and of itself. But as addiction began to sink its claws into me, um, slowly the social aspect of it started to lessen and lessen. And, and in all reality, you know, I can I can remember times when, you know, I didn't really want to be around anybody. I just wanted the drugs. You know, um, I can remember a specific time when I, I had a gram of cocaine and and uh, it was very strong cocaine. And, uh, you know, I didn't really want to party with it. I didn't want to go out and be around anybody else. I wanted to do all the cocaine myself. And uh, I can remember that night when I did it, and I did it all, and I did it pretty fast. And, uh, man, I was just laying on my bed. My heart was thumping and, you know, feeling like it was going to pop out of my chest. And I actually thought I was going to die. And, um, and you know, at that point, you know, as I begin to move into that stage of addiction, you know, the thing about sin is it, it doesn't really – stay where it's at you know it's kind of like a fire you know you you can't it's difficult to contain a fire you know you set something on fire and uh, it's just going to spread and spread and spread and it sends the same way you know what might be pleasurable for you you know for a season it's eventually not going to satisfy you because sin is not something that can be satisfied it's a negative <clears throat> and it can't it can't it, i don't care how much stuff you put in it it's not going to be it's not going to be satisfied that hole is not going to be not going to be filled. And so, you know, I can remember as addiction began to really overrun my life and the social aspects of partying uh, became less and less because I didn't want to share my drugs. I didn't want to share my alcohol. Now there's still a little bit of a social element to it, but uh, addiction ruled me, you know, and it, it wrapped chains around me. And, uh, you know, I got to the place where, you know, it wasn't fun anymore. And um, it wasn't pleasurable anymore, and it became captain of my life. I had to bow down to it, you know. I could not go see a movie without being high first. I couldn't do anything without being high first. Getting high was my was my number one priority, and uh, it consumed my day um, from start to finish, and uh, it was no longer fun. And I can remember during that time, I was always trying to quit. You know, I was always like, you know, today – is the last day, you know, and so my thought process, you know, I could remember I had a, had a big uh, bag of weed and I'm thinking today's the last day. And so because today's the last day, I, you know, I got to smoke all the weed, you know, and I can remember, uh, I, for some reason or another, I was smoking weed through a, uh, through a, a, a trombone piece from like a, from a trombone. It was like a piece like this and we had turned it into a pipe and, I can remember I just sat and smoked all that weed because, hey, today's the last day. i got to finish all the drugs, and then tomorrow I'm going to start afresh and anew. And so, of course, you know, I finished it off, and uh, the next day I went and tried to get high more. And so um, it, it, it never – my willpower was never strong enough to bring deliverance into my life. Now, there are some people who can 
they can use their willpower to break free from some habits and addictions, but without the piece of, of having a, a new identity and, and really becoming the new person that you are in Christ, um, <clears throat> addiction becomes a part of your identity. And, and what ends up happening is, is, you know, you're, you're just one step away from falling right back into that lifestyle of addiction. And so it's actually really not freedom. You know, you live in a state of fear, you know, that, that you're just, you know, one drink away, one slip away from going back to that lifestyle because you have, you know, chosen to identify, uh, with the addiction, you know, and that's why, and I'm not trying to, I, I champion anything that brings forth freedom in someone's life. And I know that, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous has, you know, set a lot of people free and I think it's wonderful. So I would never downgrade anything that brings freedom. But a part of that program is that you, you know, you're, you're saying, you know, hi, my name is Jeremiah, I'm an alcoholic. And so you're really making alcoholism your identity. And, uh, and, and certainly there can be an element of freedom for that, but it's all based in willpower. And you always are living in a state of fear that you might slip up and fall back into what you were in. And so with the beauty of what Jesus does is Jesus actually takes that old person that you were and you become crucified with Christ and old things have passed away, then all things become new. So then you have this new identity to where, you know, when I became a believer, I was no longer um, a drug addict. I was a child of God. And so my, 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 the freedom and the deliverance from the addiction wasn't just, something that was born of my strength or my willpower. It was actually that I, I had a new identity in Christ. And then that was real freedom because now, you know, I don't even deal, uh, you know, with temptation to go back to that lifestyle because that's, that's not who I am. And so, you know, the title of course, is delivers from addiction through identity and not willpower. And Jesus really provides a freedom that no 12 step program can, um, because he actually takes that old person crucified with Christ and gives you a fresh identity. And so that is true freedom. Now, as I'm saying that, I don't want to cast shade upon anyone who's gotten free uh, through through a program or things of that nature. So I'm, I'm not those that, that want to just slam those things. But I do believe that there's a there's a there's a higher form of deliverance in that you have you get a new identity that's not an identity that is a drug addict. And so. Uh, and so, you know, of course, I'm talking about drug addiction, alcoholism, and even, you know, talking about sexual addiction as well. And But there are other things that people can be addicted to. People can be addicted to food. Um, you know, that's where uh, bulimia comes from, and that's where, um, uh, you know, all of these different things come from. Food becomes an addiction. People be- can become addicted to sleep. People can become addicted to anger and to rage. People can uh, become addicted to self-harm. Uh, as a as a form of of you know giving them a sense of of of, um, of freedom or deliverance through harming themselves and and uh, you know there's there's really a lot of different types of addiction and I would just define addiction as something that that you can't stop doing uh, that's hurting you and hurting those around you and uh, you know Jesus Jesus has freedom for all of us and um, you know he he is you know, where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. And so Jesus always brings freedom. If you follow my ministry at all, you know, I talk about freedom all the time. I love freedom and um, truth by its very truth brings freedom that, you know, know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And so, uh, you know, God's design for your life is not a design of bondage. It's not a design of control. It's actually a design of freedom. God himself doesn't want to control you and, you know, bring you into a state of bondage. God actually wants to give you a freedom so that you can choose. Now, if it, now, as wisdom flows in your life, you're going to realize that God's way is actually better than your ways. And 
you become, you know, spirit led and, and word of God led, and, and that's going to produce a better life for you. But God's not in the business of controlling you or making you do anything. We can see that in the very design of creation, because in the beginning, you know, God gave Adam and Eve a choice. And so I believe God has always honored free will. God has always honored the freedom of man to choose. You know, he said that, you know, I set before you life and death, choose life. He said, I encourage you to choose life, but you can't choose death if you want to. And I feel like the nature of love is that it always gives freedom. And so that's God's plan for your life. And so you're watching, if you're watching this right now or in the future and, you know, you struggle with addiction, I just want to encourage you that there is a way out and the way out is Jesus. And, um, and then I also want to encourage you to not, to, to not put yourself on some type of, of timetable, uh, because I think a lot of times what, what happens to people is, you know, they struggle with addiction and then, you know, and they can't seem to break out of the cycle. And so then they, they really start to feel bad about themselves and they start to, to condemn themselves and to feel a sense of shame because they, they can't seem to change. I think this is especially true for, for Christians, for believers, you know. Um, I think there's a unique sense of shame that the enemy tries to attack and to attach itself, attach itself to, to believers because the reality is you can be, uh, in, in straight up addiction and be a Christian and, and be a believer. You know, we've seen it time and time again. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that addiction still can't try to rule and, and, and dominate your life. And so, um, I think that what can happen is that a cycle of sin or a cycle of failure uh, that perpetuates or we're really trying to break out of that cycle through our willpower um, when it doesn't happen in our timetable. And, you know, you see a year go by and another year go by and years go by and you're still dealing with this addiction. You know, it can bring a sense of shame and uh, it can almost cause you to, to really not want to approach God or not want to be around other believers. And I just want to encourage you that that's not true. Um, and that is a lie of the enemy. And he, he always, he always seeks to isolate you, uh, so that he can perpetuate, uh, you know, a sense of, of shame in your life. And so one of the, one of the, one of the things that really helps us get free and bring forth deliverance is, is a sense of community, is a sense of transparency and openness and honesty with God and with each other about our struggles. And that's why, you know, in the book of James, it says, confess your sins to one another. And, uh, you know, we don't confess our sins in order to get forgiveness from God, but, to, but we confess our sins to one another in order to open up our hearts and just say, hey, look, you know, this is what I'm dealing with, you know, and, and I'll tell you, uh, um, uh, shame and condemnation and, e and even fear really evaporate in, in, a, in a place of transparency and openness and honesty about our struggle, you know, if you see a, a cockroach, man, if you, you know, you open the door and you shine the light on the cockroach and it scurries. And so, you know, the enemy does his best work when he tries to isolate us in a place of shame and in a place of condemnation. And so uh, my hope for you and the Lord's hope for you is that you would be in a community of people where uh, you can really share what you're struggling with and what you're going through. Now, you have to be real careful who you, sh who you share with because, you know, Christian communities are... Are, are pretty uh, uh, infamous for, you know, we attack our wounded, unfortunately. You know, it's like where legalism is present, um, you really can't be transparent. You can't be open and honest about your struggle. You have to hide it behind a mask because you're, you're trying to be in competition with other people. And if people find out that you're dealing with sin or you're dealing with an addiction rather than 
help you, a lot of times they'll attack you because they're experiencing their own sense of condemnation and they don't know how to handle it. They don't know how to take it to the cross. They don't understand the gospel. And so the only way they know to do is to actually point out and condemn other people that are struggling. It's actually a very sick scenario, but it's very common in Christianity. And so as the gospel, as the light of the gospel continues to go forth, you know, my hope and my prayer is that, you know, churches and fellowships would begin to transition out of that. And church can be a place or fellowship can be a place where you come and just open up your heart and really share what you're struggling with. And so um, I think it's important to have someone that you can confide in, to have someone that you can open up in and, and someone that you trust and someone that God leads you to. Because when you open up your heart and you show people you're ugly and you show people your your chains or your addiction that you're dealing with, and instead of condemning you and judging you, they, they come alongside you and they they speak life. They don't know you according to the flesh. They know you according to Christ. And they speak, you know, who your true identity is and who you really are. Um, and, and really, man, that is a, a beautiful place of, of deliverance because the shame, like the cockroaches that leave when the light comes on, the shame just dissipates and runs uh, when you when you recognize, you know, that you can open up your heart and share with somebody else. And the reality is, is that you're not alone. You know, you might struggle as though there are other people. Uh, that have struggled with, with, with the same things, you know, and uh, and I think we have to be careful not to build a culture in, in Christianity where we, we try to present, you know, a sense of perfectionism to where, you know, it becomes this high pressured environment, you know, concerning our conduct, you know, it, it really, you know, we, we are, we are, you know, we're not perfect, you know, now we're perfectly forgiven, our spirits have been made perfect, but everybody, everybody deals with stuff, you know, and another addiction is just worry. And fear, you know, people, that, that's another addiction that, that people can have. But, but uh, all of that being said, um, we, God wants to bring you into a state of freedom. And that is the bottom line. So a sense of community is very important, but you have to be careful who you share what with so that they don't try to use it against you, but they actually help you and believe the best about you. And it's easier for people to do that when they know who they are in Christ and know that their righteousness is a gift. They didn't earn it. They don't deserve it. You know, if I'm if I'm talking to someone, let's say, that's dealing with some type of addiction, you know, I, I understand I'm not better than them. You know, so, so if they, you know, talking about someone who's a believer, you know, I'm not better than them. Um, I they, They're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, just like I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus that I received as a gift. And so I don't really have a right to condemn them or elevate myself above them when I understand who I am in Christ. And it was a result of a gift. I can see greatness on the inside of them. And I can speak to the greatness on the inside of them rather than calling to remembrance their sin or their failure and really amplifying their shame. You know, legalism, when it tries to help people out of addiction, a lot of times it's kind of like taking gas and throwing it on the fire. Legalist says, you know, a legalist, you know, would come and say, well, you need to change and you need to do this and you need to do that and you need to do like this and you need to do that. But, but when, when someone comes to you with all of that, what they're, what they're doing is they're not really engaging the Christ inside of you. They're not engaging the greater is he that's within you. They're actually throwing a yoke of bondage upon you. And, and whether they realize it or not, they're actually demanding that you with your willpower climb up out of the ditch. And, uh, you know, the gospel in, in its very essence is, is really not, it's not good advice. It's not good technique. It's, it's actually just good news and it's deliverance. And the good news is this, you're a believer and you're struggling with something tonight I'm here to tell you right now, number one, you're forgiven. All of your sins have been paid for on the cross. Uh, number two, God loves you and God is for you. And it's you and God together 
um, against the addiction. And God has a place of freedom for you. And, and really and truly, you are not an addict. You are a child of God. That is your true identity. Now, um, if you've not received Jesus as Lord and Savior, uh, then, then that's your first step of deliverance. We need to get Christ in you. We need to get the new identity in you um, so that you can experience um, the power of God. And so, um, but uh, so I'm kind of speaking, speaking to both groups. So anyway, so now I just want to, I want to turn to James and, and I want to take a look here at this, this passage of scripture. And, uh, um, you know, this, this passage has, has been taught incorrectly many times. And uh, if it's taught from a legalistic perspective and it, and it really is most of the time that I've heard it taught, it's taught from a legalistic perspective and it actually once again, put someone in the position of, of willpower being their engine of deliverance. And, uh, you know, your willpower is not how you get set free. Now, your willpower can make a decision to come to this live or to listen uh, to teaching or something like that. But, but ultimately, your willpower um, is not really uh, an effective form of deliverance. We want something more powerful than your willpower. We actually want the grace of God. We want the Lord's ability. And so... Um, in, in the book of James, in uh, chapter 1 and verse 22, um, it says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow with wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And so, it, you know, it's, it's basically, you know, saying, you know, make a decision to, to step away uh, from wickedness, make a decision to step away from filthiness, make a decision to step away from sin. Uh, and, and, and so that is, a, that is a decision, you know, that the, one of the, things that's trying to be uh, the lines are, that are trying to be blurred in the day and time that we're living in is right and wrong, you know, and, and scripture lays out what's right and lays out what's wrong. And, you know, and that has not changed. The gospel doesn't change that. The grace message doesn't change that right's right. Wrong's wrong. And it's one thing to struggle with something and want deliverance. It's another thing to struggle with something that's wrong and declare that it's right. If you're struggling with something, you know, for example, someone who, who, who's trying to validate adultery, you know, well, you know, I just really love this person and they really love me. And I feel like God, because God loves us, this is okay. No, it's not. You know, it's just not okay. There's no place where it is okay. And so you can't really validate that uh, with truth. Now, you can validate with your emotions and with your feelings, but according to scripture, it's wrong. And so if you're, if you're struggling with something that's wrong and you're declaring it's right, there's not really a place of deliverance for you because you're still operating in a place of pride. And so that's why you're saying my way is higher than God's way. And and that's why in the, in the next passage it says with meekness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. And so that meekness is that sense of humility. Um, it's that sense of, you know, being able to be taught. It's that sense of recognizing that you're wrong um, and, and wanting to hear truth and wanting to receive deliverance. And so that meekness is a real key element to that. And this is the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. And so when we're talking about soul, not talking about your spirit, you know, if you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, your spirit's perfect, it's righteous, sin can't touch it, addiction can't touch it, spirit's always serving God. Uh, the battle is the mind, the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions. And if you've never heard that type of teaching before, I would really encourage you um, to, to, to understand the difference between spirit, soul, and body. Um, Grant Fraley, our associate pastor at Grace Point, does an amazing job teaching that. Uh, all that stuff is on our website, gracepointgeorgetown.com. And uh, I'd encourage you to, to get a hold of those teachings so that you can understand, because if you don't know where the battlefield is, it's difficult to fight the battle. And uh, so the battlefield is the soul, it's the mind. And it says, receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls or to sozo 
your soul. And so what we want to do, uh, if you've received Jesus, you know, you have a solid victory internally in your spirit. But here uh, we got to change the way you think. We got to change the way you see yourself. And we've got to, to get you to a place where you 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 you're not conformed to this world, but you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so that involves receiving and hearing truth, which involves uh, allowing scripture, allowing the planted word, the word that's going to get inside of your mind and change the way you think. Because in order to really get set free from addiction, we got to, we got to, the primary way is we got to change the way you see yourself. See, when I, when I stopped seeing myself as a drug addict and I saw myself as a child of God, that's when deliverance really started to happen to me because my self-image had been damaged by the years of abuse and the years of awful things that I had done because that had become a, a part of me. And I, you know, wore, you know, this false, you know, moniker of drug addict. And um, when I found out that that's not who I was and, and when the word of God began to renew my mind to my true identity, then, then, then ultimately when you see yourself as God sees you, freedom's a no-brainer. Freedom is an automatic. And, uh, and, and I will say this too, you know, it is a, it's a process, you know, you can have freedom in certain areas and maybe not so much freedom in other areas. And so we need to, to, to recognize our identity in those other areas as well. And so you, you may have, um, you may have freedom in some areas, but you need freedom in other areas. And so, uh, deliverance is a process and, um, you know, and I don't know anyone who's operating absolute total complete freedom other than Jesus. And so, um, and so I, I just didn't, so, but the key issue here is, is receiving, uh, the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul, just renewing your mind, changing the way you think. And so then it goes on in verse 22 and it says, it, it says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who observes his natural face in the mirror for he observes himself, goes away and immediately forgets what type of man he was. And so, you know, this, here comes, uh, the legalistic trumpets on verse 22, well, be doers of the word and not hearers only. So, uh, you know, and this is where, you know, legalism has, it has a drum that they really beat. Well, you just need to be a, a doer of the word. You need to be a doer of the word. You need to be a doer of the word. Your problem is you're not being a doer of the word. Well, I, you know, I think that when, when someone is involved in, in addictive behavior, you know, uh, uh, and, and the spirit of God is within them, they don't want to sin. They don't want to continue to walk down that road. Many times they, they want freedom and they want to be a doer of the word and they want to get free, but they can't. And so if you just make the statement, you need to be a doer of the word, that's your problem. You need to be a doer. If that's all you say, then once again, you start to activate someone's willpower and you start to, 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 to place them in a really a position of failure because they're not relying on the Lord's strength. They're, 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 they're relying on their own strength. And so, um, so we have to read it in context and we have to understand, you know, what's being said in this passage. And so let me take a look at verse 22 again. It says, but be doers of the word, not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror for he observes himself, goes away and immediately forgets what type of man he is. So the issue here. When you're a hearer and not a doer, is you're you're experiencing um, an identity crisis. You're you're experiencing amnesia concerning who you are. So you know the picture that it gives is if you're a hearer and not a doer, say someone who's a Christian and you know they go to church, they hear the word, whatever, and and but they're not doing it and they're still operating in addiction. They're like someone who sees their face, sees who they are in Christ, seeing their new identity, walks away, forgets who they are. 
and and goes right back to that behavior that's not their identity. And so the issue is not an issue of willpower. The issue is, is they don't know who they are. And so uh, there is a freedom in knowing who you are. You know, and of course, you know, the example that we can give the prodigal son, you know, he went out and, uh, you know, spent his inheritance on riotous living and prostitutes and pig pens and <clears throat> horrible life. And what happened to him is he forgot who he was. He forgot that he was a son of the father. And so he came to the father with a servant mentality. He said, you know, I'm not worthy of my father's love and blessing. So I'm just going to work for him. And so what the father did, the father didn't entertain, you know, him just being the employer of the son. He said, no, no. He said, come here. We got to remind him who he is. Bring the best robe. This is the robe for a son. You know, bring the ring. This is a ring for a son. This, you know, represents authority and stuff. Um, uh, bring, bring the sandals. You know, bring all of these things to remind my son who he is so he knows uh, his place is not the pig pen. His place is at my table. <clears throat> his place is in the palace. And so there was a reminder to the son who he was so that he could operate as a son and not operate as someone who's swimming in the, in the slop of, uh, of a pig pen. And so, um, and so identity, right? And so if we, if we continue and we move forward, it says, um, and I just want to read it all in context again as we move forward so you get a feel for the fullness of it. It says, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone's a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself and goes away and immediately forget what kind of man he was. And so, you know, I had to look into the mirror of the word of God and see that's not a drug addict. That's a child of God. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, liberty, of course, means freedom. This is a law of freedom. This, and when it's talking about a law, it's not talking about the law of Moses for justification. It's talking about a principle of being like the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And so. There's a law of liberty that God has in motion, just like the law of gravity, the law of lift. Law of lift supersedes the law of gravity. The law of the spirit, the law of liberty supersedes bondage, supersedes addiction, and actually overcomes it because God has a way uh, for you <clears throat> to get free. And so, it says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one shall be blessed in his deed. And so he's saying. Don't forget who you are, and you won't end up in, in bondage to sin. You won't end up in bondage to addiction. Now, the challenge for many of us is, is you know, we spent more time operating in a false identity than we have in our true identity. And so uh, we, we've got some, some backtracking to do, so to speak. You know, and I'm not going to remember, you know, when I got saved and when I got born again, um, you know, I still, I still struggled with addiction. You know, I still struggled, you know, I still struggle with drug addiction. I still struggle with alcoholism. I still struggle with sexual addiction. I still struggle with all the addictions that I had before. But as I continue to look into the perfect law of liberty and see who I was in Christ, slowly, uh, those chains began to pop off and my mind became, began to get renewed and, and then a, a then freedom started to come into my life, you know, and, and I share this story a lot, but it's, it's such a clear example of what deliverance through identity looks like and, 
And, you know, there was a time when I was, you know, I'd gotten free from the hard drugs. I'd gotten free from cocaine. I'd gotten free from smoking crack. I'd gotten free from the pills. I'd gotten free from all these other things, but I still was smoking weed, you know? And so um, I was running up the hill one day and I looked down on the ground and, you know, saw a joint, a, you know, a half smoking joint. And um, I uh, picked it up and smelled it and realized that it was marijuana. So now here, here's a temptation for me to go back to that old person that I used to be, you know, but at that point, it's like it rose up on the inside of me. I've been spending time looking into the perfect law of liberty, realizing who I was, not forgetting who I was. I'm a child of God. I'm not a drug addict. So I dropped it into the pavement, put my foot on it, grounded into the ground. And I kept running and said, I'm not a drug addict. I'm a child of God. And so at that point, uh, there was a deliverance and a freedom that came into my life uh, that was the result of who I was and not the result of my willpower. It's just the bottom line is that's not attractive to me because that's not who I am. And, and if you look in the next verse, we, we see the key element where kind of where the rubber meets the road um, in this teaching. It says, if anyone among you thinks he is you know, religious or spiritual and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's uh, spirituality is useless. Now, now, why would he? Why would he plug that in? You know, just out of nowhere, and start talking about, you know, what you say. Well, the the key element here, when it comes to identity, is you know, you really have to agree with what God says about you. You know, if you're you're still around people and they identify you with your addiction, as well, you know, he's nothing but a drug addict. You know, she's nothing but a slut. You know, he's nothing but a liar. He's nothing but a womanizer. Uh, he's nothing but a angry person. You know, all of these things. You know, people. The enemy will really try to use people to, to put a moniker or a label on us to to identify us and ultimately keep us in bondage. You, you've got to say what God has said about you, not what other people have said about you. You say what God has said about you. You declare, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am a child of God. I am living in freedom. You know, th this addiction is not my identity. This addiction does not define me. I am who I am in Christ. And, man, you really, you got to, you got to. You gotta put, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta set your shoulders and put your feet in the ground and take a stand in your new identity. And that is the fight of faith. That's where the rubber meets the road, and it will require you to speak. Uh, there's so much power when we speak. You know, we look at Abraham, who is the father of our faith. God changed his name, and the reason God changed his name is because God wanted to change the way he spoke about himself. Sarai uh, became Sarah. Abram became Abraham, and uh, their identity was changed. And that that is the you know, the, the H there is the Hebrew, the fifth uh, letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and it's the one that represents grace. And so God plugged in grace into Abraham, turned a fatherless old man into the father of many nations, uh, the same, and did this exact same thing to Sarai. But they had to start speaking, and they had to start calling those things which be not as though they are. And uh, really the primary point of calling those things which be not as though they are is not really in the realm of you know trying to confess for houses or cars or things like that. It's really about it's about your identity. It's about who you are. You got to say what God has said about you. Now you got to do this right in the middle of your mistakes, right in the middle of your sin, right even in the middle of the addiction. If God can get a hold of your mouth, he'll 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 renew your mind faster. You know you have freedom on the inside of you if you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, but you need to agree with that new nature and you need to agree with what God says about you. And so, man, you, you got to run your mouth. And I know that sounds simple, uh, but it's so simple, honestly, that people miss it. Uh, never identify uh, with 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 addiction. 
you know, addiction is not your nature. It's not your identity. I, I would say the same thing about sickness. I would say the same thing about poverty and lack. You need to say what God has said about you. And um, that's extremely important uh, for your deliverance. And that honestly is what activates and keeps the law of liberty in motion. You know, if I, I if I still refer, you know, I still refer to myself as a drug addict 20 years later after my deliverance, that those words that I spoke would become a robe that I wore, uh, a false identity. And I'd, I'd go right back to that old behavior. But I don't speak that way because it's actually not true. Now, let's turn to uh, Ephesians. And um, I want to take a look at, at, at something else. Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, we actually we, we covered this um, in our midweek Bible study last week. But I want to zero in on this. And it really uh, ties into... Um, us getting set free from a from a position of, of our identity, but it's it it says here. I'm just going to read a little context for you. This I say therefore in testifying the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. In other words, saying, look, we need to be different than the world. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. It's talking about people that aren't saved. But you have not so learned Christ. In other words, say, guys, i got a different path for you. I don't want you to identify with that stuff. I want you to rise above it and carry yourself with honor. It says, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by faith as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. In other words, addictions, these things are these things need to these things need to be put off. These things that these are things that we make a decision, that's not who I am. That's not the route I'm going to walk on. Now that will require your willpower. That will because, you know, if you know anything about a car, a car doesn't run on the power of the battery. The battery's there to give the spark so that it will kick on the car. And the alternator will kick in, and then the alternator is what actually recharges back the battery and runs the car's electricity. If an alternator goes out on a car and a car just runs on the power of a battery, it will only it will it will a couple miles and the whole thing's dead. Because the the battery was not designed to power the car. It was just designed to give the spark. Your will is designed to make the decision. Like those of you that are watching right now, you decided to come here. You decided to hear the gospel. I'm sure there's a million other things you could have done, but you chose to come here. That was a decision that you made. If you make a decision that I'm going to look into the perfect law of liberty, I'm going to make a decision to, to speak in line with what God says about me. Um, these are decisions you're making. This is a willpower thing, but your willpower will place you and lock you into the power of God to where just like in a car, that alternator kicks in, the grace of God kicks in, and you're operating at a, a far higher and more powerful version of yourself, really the truest version of yourself uh, than you ever could in your own willpower. And so right here he says, put off. He said, make a decision. That's not who I am. Just like an old garment, you know. used to wear a you know drug addict shirt. Man, I took that thing off. Put on the child of God shirt. This is who I am. used to wear an alcoholic shirt. Took that shirt off. Put on the child of God shirt. Used to be, you know, addicted to pornography and had sexual addiction. Took off that shirt. Put on the child of God shirt. You follow me? So there's there's this decision that you make that that's not who I am. This is who I am. And so he says that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, 
and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Here, here comes your mind again. Your mind is really the key element here. The victory has been won in your spirit. Battlegrounds, your mind, it's your, it's your thinker, your feeler, your chooser. we got to renew our, our minds to the truth of God's word so the deliverance that's on the inside of us can be displayed on the outside of us. So that we were once slaves to sin and now we will become slaves of righteousness. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So powerful. God said, put on the new, put off the old, put on the new. Okay. And, and really, once again, the rubber meets the road. Look into the mirror, see who you are. Don't forget who you are. I, I don't know about you guys, but I need, I need this regularly, man. I need a regular reminder that I'm the righteousness of God because uh, it's easy to forget in the world we live in. It's easy to make mistakes. It's easy to fall short. You know, so I need a reminder. Let me remind myself, wait a minute, that's right, I'm the righteousness of God. I see Christ in me. And uh, that that that's we need a regular reminder of that. Okay? Because the primary thing that's really going to testify against the fact that you're right with God are your mistakes. But Jesus' finished work on the cross is greater than our mistakes, and so we gotta look into the mirror, we gotta remind ourselves um, on the regular. And so that, that we are a child of God, and be, that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in righteous, true holiness. And once again, how do I how do I put this thing on in my mind? Well, I gotta say it, man. I gotta say what God has said about me, not what people have said about me, not what my mama said, not what my daddy said, not what my friends said, not what my pastor said. What God say about me? That's what I gotta say. And if you'll have the audacity to open up your mouth and declare who you are in Christ, even in the midst of it not looking like it's happening. Uh, I promise you there are great things that are going to happen to you. When God changed Abram's name to Abraham, Abraham had a season where he went walking around declaring he was the father of many, and he was an old man with no kids. So you may have a season where you're still addicted to drugs, you're still addicted to alcohol, you're still addicted to sex, you're still addicted to sleep, you're still addicted to pornography, you're still addicted to prescription pills, you're still addicted to a person, you're still addicted to a place, you're still addicted to cutting, you're still addicted, but in the place of your addiction, if you'll declare who you are and call those things that be not as though they are, I promise you, you won't stay there because the law of liberty will lift you up above the gravity that's trying to pull you down and you'll soar above the addiction. You'll look down and say, ha, that used to be me, that's not me anymore. Uh, I'm, I'm a child of God. I'm the righteousness of God. I'm a good man. You know, thoughts of the righteous are right. Once again, the battlefield is the mind. And so, um, and then he goes on to say, and he says, therefore, in verse 25, therefore, put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Now, you know, it, it really sounds like he's saying, hey, don't lie. But really what he's saying is, is when I take on a false identity, you know, if I were to say to you, I'm a drug addict, um, that'd be a lie. Why? Because it's not true. I'm a child of God. But the enemy, so what he's really referring to here, talking about not lying, is he's saying, don't agree with that false identity. Don't agree with that. Because when you say that and you say something that you're not, you're actually lying against the truth. For example, when the prodigal son came home to meet the father, he said, you know, I'm not worthy uh, to be your son, but I'm just going to work for you. And so what he declared is, I am an employee. That's a lie. He's not an employee. He's a son. And so when we speak contrary to who we are, we're lying against the truth. 
and and we really it's very important to agree with the Lord and say what He says about you. Now, you know, in the midst of your deliverance, you you know, when you're you're still walking through and being challenged with addiction, religious people get real upset at you if they hear you saying something that you're not, uh, because they don't understand why you're doing that. They think you're you're lying, but really you're telling the truth. You know, when I still was struggling with addiction and I'm saying I'm a child of God, I'm the righteousness of God. That's a greater truth than the sin and failure mistake that I just made. That makes sense. I'm agreeing with an eternal truth rather than agreeing with a temporary situation or, or scenario of failure. And so, you know, and so, and, you know, and so just like it takes time for that law of lift to kick in, just like it takes time for a plane uh, to really take off and to dominate gravity, um, it'll, it'll take some time. You know, when God spoke over Abraham, you're the father of many nations, it didn't happen in that moment, okay, in terms of it manifesting, but it didn't, it, it happened a time after that. As he got the recipe of the new identity and speaking out of his mouth who he was and him and Sarah speaking over each other these things, eventually, eventually the law of lift kicked in, man, and they entered into the promise. They entered into a place of freedom. And so what I encourage you, if you're struggling with addiction, um, man, start saying what God has said right in the midst of what you got going on, right in the midst of your sin, right in the midst of your failure. Say, you know what? I'm the righteousness of God. I'm not a drug addict. Thoughts of the righteous are right. You start saying what God has said. And what happens is your willpower making a decision to honor God and his truth and his word, grace will kick in and, and the true freedom and deliverance from sin is an abundance of grace. Um, the Bible says that sin will not have dominion over us. We are no longer under the law, but we're under grace. And so as you receive grace, it's going to be stronger than the false identity of sin and failure that's trying to grip and to hold on to your life. And it will pull you out and it will bring you into a place of deliverance, you know, and, and, and different things take different amounts of time. You know, I got, I got free, like I said, from the harder stuff quicker than I got free from the softer stuff. And then I wouldn't get set free from, from sexual sin, like, you know, pornography and stuff for years, for years later after that. And it took time uh, for, for me to let go of that false identity. You know, and the reason a lot of us deal with addiction is because of things that happened to us in our childhood or because of things that were passed on to us uh, by our parents. You know, there's drug addictions ran rampant, you know, on both sides of my family. Alcoholism ran rampant on both sides of my family. Sexual addiction ran rampant on both sides of my family. And so, you know, I, I kind of, um, I had some, some clothes that were trying to, to be on me that weren't who I was in the kingdom. And you're not defined by your parents. You're not defined um, by your friends or even your family. Man, oh, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. The kingdom is greater um, than your genetics. The kingdom is greater uh, than, 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 your, than, your, than your past. The kingdom on the inside of you, righteousness, peace, and joy. He that is within you is greater than he that's in the world. Listen, there is no addiction that can hold Christ down. And if you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, Christ is in you. And so um, as you embrace him as your identity, man, he like a rocket ship will pull you straight out of all of that bondage and all of that sin and all of that failure. But as you walk, it's what's what's key is you got to keep condemnation out and you got to keep shame out. And that is where uh, we, we kind of start tagging back into the thing that we were we were first talking about in the beginning where it says confess your sins to one another. It's really great to have someone that you're accountable to. It's great to have someone that you can trust, someone that you can be open to, because it's in that place of vulnerability where the shame keeps getting dismissed. 
You know, I recently um, heard this um, preacher speaking about him discipling someone else. And this person had used drugs and went back to drugs. And this person was crying and was so upset and came to the preacher and said, look, I used again. I'm so sorry. I can't believe I failed God. I failed myself. And I, I love the preacher's answer. This preacher is establishing grace. And he said, look, he said, you know, when's the last time you cried because of using? And the guy was like, well, never. He's like, well, look, look how much farther you've come. Your heart is tender towards the Lord and you don't want to do it anymore. And so because of the fact that you're grieved over your mistake shows your progress. Whereas when you were a hardened drug addict, you never cared at all who you hurt or how much drugs you did. And so you, you need to be around people that are going to be gracious to you and, and, and give you um, and speak life into you and speak who you are in Christ. Once again, if you, that you're struggling with something and you want to get free, that's a different scenario than someone who's struggling with something that's wrong and declaring that it's right. There's no freedom for that person because they're trying to bend truth. Now, let me, let me read you the rest of this passage because I just feel the Lord unctioning me to do so. In verse 26, it says, be, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him steal, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the ear. We need to speak graciously to each other. We don't need to know each other according to the flesh. We need to know each other according to the spirit. Our Christian fellowships, we should be speaking life to know you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're a child of God. You're not a drug addict. You're not an adulterer. You're not an adulteress. This is who you are. Those words should edify and strengthen and impart grace. Legalism identifies some of them with their failure. Grace identifies people with their savior. And it's only through identification with your Savior and only through identification with Jesus that you're going to rise above the ashes of your own sin and failure and mistakes and start to fly above the addiction rather than being defined by the addiction and grappled in the, the addiction upon the ground. And then he goes on to say, and he makes the most interesting statement because he actually talks about grieving the Spirit of God. And, and, and I'll read verse 29 again to give you a little bit of context. He says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearer. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And so the grieving is when we're speaking death over people and we're condemning people and we're making, you know, we're, 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 we're in position of, of the father speaking to the prodigal son say, hey, look, you're right. You're not worthy to be my son. You need to come work for me. You need to come earn my favor. And so that actually grieves the spirit when, when, we, when we are not speaking words of life, when we're speaking words of death. Now, in the very same breath, and I, I need to bring balance to this so that there's no misunderstanding, there are times of correction. Uh, First Corinthians and Second Corinthians correct sin. There was a gentleman who was, uh, was sleeping with his uh, mother-in-law. And uh, Paul addresses it in 1 Corinthians and said, look, man, this is wrong. We can't do this. And uh, he's like, you need to correct this guy. And if he doesn't receive correction, you need to remove him from the fellowship. Strong words, right? And, uh, and so they did it. And, and because the guy was doing it, he was doing the wrong and declaring it was right. He wasn't receiving deliverance. And in fact, what the Corinthian church was doing, they were boasting in what this guy was doing. They're like, yeah, he's doing that. 
it's all good, man. We're, you know, we're under grace. It's all good. Gifts are flowing. Everything's great. Paul's like, no, it's not great. We don't walk as the world walks. We're not like them. This is, this is wrong. And so he addressed it. And then in second Corinthians, they were still had this gentleman in a place of uh, being evicted from the fellowship, but the guy had repented. The guy had changed. The guy had made a decision that I don't want this. So he had stopped. And so Paul said, look, the guy's, you know, the, the sorrow of the Lord has worked in his heart. He's in a place of repentance. Bring him back. Bring him back into the fellowship uh, because he's recognized what he's doing is wrong and he's let go of it. And so, you know, I'm not saying there's not a time for correction. And really the time when correction is hap- really happens point blank like that is when someone's in a position of pride and they're trying to say, hey, look, it's OK. You know, if there's someone in our church who was beating their wife, you know, and, and I knew about it and the guy wouldn't change. And it kept on and kept going. As a pastor, I got to confront that. You know, if he's a child of God, is he the righteousness of God? Yes. Is he forgiven? Yes. Is he on his way to heaven? Yes. Is what he's doing wrong? Yes. Is it destroying him and his wife and his family? Yes. And if he doesn't repent and change of that, it needs to be addressed. And so, you know, I'm not I'm not saying there's an absence of correction with truth when someone uh, through pride holds on to a behavior and says, no, this is OK. That's that's not the same thing as someone struggling with something that's wrong and wanting to be set free. So I wanted to clarify that because if you just heard this teaching and you just heard that and you didn't hear me say that, it might sound like I was saying we never correct people uh, for operating in sin, for operating in unrepentance and continuing down that road. But what I have found is most of the time people know what they're doing is wrong and they just, and the spirit of God is, you know, is in them, you know, letting them know this is not who you are. And they, they really, they want to stop. They don't want to continue. And so, um, so anyway, so this is this is deliverance, man. And so I, and it takes some time and you just say what <clears throat> say what God says about you. Continue to hear the gospel and get some people around you that you're accountable to that you can open your heart to who are not going to condemn you. but are going to see Christ in you and going to speak life over you in words that impart grace. And so we got uh, we got just a little bit more time. We got about eight minutes left. And so I just want to open this up for some questions.